welcome to Board Game Binge. The place where we bring you bite-sized, bingeable board game content across the industry. I'm your host, James Staley. And in this episode, we're chatting with Lan, who is a game designer, project manager, and owner of Bonafide Games. Bonafide Games has spent five years working on their first title, Silvercoin Age of Monsters, which is currently on Kickstarter. Lan, how are you doing? Welcome to the bench. Amazing. Thanks for having me. Oh, it is great to have you. We've been talking for like six months on this, right? So we've been waiting for this campaign to come. Uh, I know you guys are super pumped about it. Uh, it comes through in literally everything you do, the quality of your work, the team behind the, the scenes. Uh, you and I have had some interactions as we went into my campaign. We're like, hey, can we help you? You know, our guys are excited. We want to do some artwork for you, which is super nice of you. So I want to thank you for that just off the <laughs> off the hop. Um, but gosh, how did you guys get into this? Like, this is your very first game. You've been working mm -hmm. on this for five years. What have you been doing kind of during the day? What do you do when you're not kind of working on this game? You mean with my life, right? Yeah, with your life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, as my daytime job, I work as a lean management guy. So I like optimizing stuff and so on. Uh, so you would think immediately, this guy is going to make a Euro game, right? Um, <laughs> and partially, yeah, that's true. Um, but um, other than that, you know, just normal life, normal normal hobbies, like every human being, <laughs> nothing that special. Have a family, two kids, um, and uh, yeah, that's it. And how did you meet the, uh, the, like, so there's four of you, I think, on the team all together, is there? Yeah, four, four core guys, yeah. And then how did you guys all kind of meet up and where did you guys kind of, how did you get together? Yeah. So one is, uh, you know, I, I had to deal with him because he's my brother. You, 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 you get that situation. <laughs> I can right? relate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, uh, I kind of dragged him along. Um, so the, the other two guys, uh, you know, are the other parts that you cannot do without, which uh, you can imagine is art, graphical design. So unless you're Vincent Dutre or something like that, uh, you, you need those kind of things. Um, and because I was not uh, feeling, you know, adventurous in, in, in that aspect, I, I was, you know, tagging along with those guys. Um, actually, the graphical designer was the one who got me in the project. Um, saw my prototype of the game one day, um, or actually one uh, board game night. And he was like, oh, let's make this game. It's awesome. And, yeah, and then he kind of, you know, dragged me into this. Was this at like, like a that. local meetup or like where were you doing the board games? No, I just, you know, uh, I have this uh, bi-weekly uh, board game nights mi minimum. Uh, well, I had before I started this project, then, you know, <laughs> the, 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 the numbers started decreasing because of the project. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I just, you know, like uh, hosting game nights, um, tournaments occasionally, uh, bringing people together. I host, you know, forum groups uh, with uh, board gaming exchanges and stuff like that. So, yeah. Oh, that's super cool. And so where did this kind of like, was it always Age of Monsters or did it start off as something else and it kind of evolved into that or? Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a funny story actually for two reasons. First story is actually um, because people, when they look at the game, they immediately see well, a lot of them Witcher, right? Yeah. And uh, the thing is, I actually contact City Project Red, so the, the company <laughs> behind. Um, and that was... Uh, what nine years ago? Um, so when they were back then, when they were making Witcher Adventure uh, game yeah. with Ignacy Trzeski, right? Um, so they were making that with Fantasy Flight games back then. Uh, I was, you know, much younger, more handsome, and so on. 
but basically uh what happened is they were like you know uh yeah really nice um uh, if uh, ignazi will need you for something he will let you know <laughs> and back then i was like i didn't really know who ignazi was for fantasy flight i i knew and so on but like looking back it made per perfect sense fantasy flight is big uh, ignazi yeah. is big he's also polish so i was you know uh the uninvited guest and uh after that it, it was just you know it stayed as a prototype whatever and like i said one one board game night I you know dragged it out uh, and we played it and it's like oh let's make this oh, yeah but I already contacted City Project right about this no let's make our own IP our own universe and so on and we yeah. just you know went with it um, and the other part of the funny story is um, so we were like okay what we're going to call it right uh, what we're going to call the game and so on and actually the 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 start uh, it, uh, the start it was called Silver Coin just Silver Coin nothing else right. Yeah. But there is a problem because Bezier Games already has a game called Silver Coin. In, uh, they have the entire line of, you know, Silver Dead, Silver Dead, you know, everything silver you can think of, Bezier, you know, has put a name to that. So I was like, and, and it was funny because at the time when we were doing this, there was no Silver Coin. <laughs> there was no, no not such a game, game in the existence. And I went to, you know, BGG one day to, you know, register the game. Yeah. And it was like, silver coin is coming out i was like no freaking way oh, <laughs> it was man. like oh yeah so yeah and actually looking back i'm really happy because when you look at it um, if you just put silver coin that doesn't really tell you much but if you put you know edge of monster hunters next to it that tells you a lot more about the game so yeah. um actually you know in the end i think it worked out um and then you know some people would come uh, and they would say what about the monster hunter licensing and so so like i was like yeah, you can, you know, you can just uh, put the entire, you know, words, you can, you can put uh, those, those, those type of um, protection on those words. And then, then you can, you know, just uh, st uh, start finding those uh, weird Latin uh, names or whatever. Yeah. So, but I mean, there are like many games, like I know that uh, right now there is coming, Daimyo is coming out, like there is a bunch of Daimyo, Rising Sun, but back then. There were rising suns before you cannot you know say a rising sun is something that is happening also yeah. a coin like it's a silver coin you cannot say like it's translucent coin or whatever that will be maybe more unique yeah. silver coin is a normal thing so in the end you just have to you know deal with it 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 doesn't really matter i think yeah. i'd be remiss if i didn't mention that where you're actually located yeah can you tell us about where you're located your team yeah tiny country of slovenia so european union um it bordering Italy, Austria, Hungary, and Croatia. Two million wow. people. Yeah. Wow, that is a tiny country. Is there a huge gaming industry in in your in Slovenia? Is there like no no cafes no, it's not. or anything like that? Or no no, uh, it's not. But however, recently we have seen a uh, spike in Kickstarter games. Yeah. Just this year, uh, Hike uh, came out. Uh, it it reached like one hundred twenty thousand. Uh, and it was it's it's a smaller card game. Yeah, uh, Rado was doing. Yeah. Yeah, 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 correct, correct. They were on this so, this podcast actually. Yeah, yeah, correct, correct. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so basically, Nika, Nika, um, and Blush, uh, because we are such a you know tiny community and so on, yeah. everyone knows each other. We are helping each other and so on. So yeah. That's so it. in such a small country and where you, there's not a huge gaming industry, how did you get into gaming in the first place? Like your bio, you, I was reading that you started off with Dixit of all things. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like how I mean, did you get in? How did you get introduced into gaming? Who introduced you to gaming? Yeah. So, I mean, 
you can say that like before that I was like playing, you know, Ludo and, you know, Monopoly and stuff like mm. that. But those are like, you know, Walmart products. The classics. You can see there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but then one day uh, I, I was having a birthday party and I got this as a gift, actually. Dixie, right? Yeah, so, it's a great game. You know, I, yeah. yeah. I opened it. I played it with my family. And, you know, just after finishing the game, I had that feeling. Wow. We actually sat together with a family for, you know, hour two. Um, not just when we had lunch, dinner, when, uh, you know, such occasion would come, but actually, you know, to, to spend time together uh, instead of just leaving to, to each uh, uh, would go to their own room. Um, and that feeling uh, felt incredible. Um, so ever since, like I started exploring what's there, uh, what the gaming uh, world uh, has to offer, right? Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. And then how did that translate then into a game as ambitious as, mm. as this one. Cause I mean, yeah. Dix, it's a fairly simple concept, right? This game, yeah. you know, from everything I've been reading and watching yeah. is quite robust. Right. So how did, how did yeah. that bridge happen? Is it just, you know, was it TV that inspired you or what is it inspired no, you to kind of get no. into this? Yeah. It's it actually a combination of many things. So first I would say I was always a creative person. Uh, mm -hmm. I would, you know, do my own projects, uh, you name it, I would do it. Uh, I would be um, creating, uh, you know, um, songs. Uh, so writing my own songs from rap to later on. Oh, cool. um, my my girlfriend is actually a professional singer, so I would wow. write for her. Yeah, I would write novels, uh, stories and stuff like that. I, I was quite good at yeah. that also. So there was something uh, about that always present. But then the second thing was also, you know, you start, uh, I was always playing those, you know, strategic PC games like, you know, Europa Universalis and so on. Mm. So I was, I was always that kind of, uh, you know, more hardcore uh, gamer. Um, and then also with the tabletop uh, industry, I, I actually, you know, I played everything. I still play everything, but, you know, I would, you know, start to lean towards those heavier games. And uh, that's the most important aspect, I think, that you can have as a designer just play a bunch of games uh, and you know then you will yeah. start getting new ideas and so on and you will know which mechanics and so on you want to mesh together or maybe create a new one although you know you, you can never reinvent the wheel <laughs> yeah it's gonna so, yeah. say like and that was one of the things i was gonna ask is like who was doing the writing right because obviously this is very almost story-based too right so mm. this is something where you you've you had some history in writing you know creative creative writing for lack of a better word and merging that then with game design, bring those two things together. That's, that's uh, super cool. Mm -hmm. Actually then, the, the video on the Kickstarter page, right? Yeah. If you go and check it, um, the initial song that says it's actually from one of the scenarios of the game. Uh, okay. I wrote the, the song and my girlfriend is actually the one who is singing it. No and way. our, you know, friends from the music industry were the one made, made the entire, you know, music and so on. So all is self-made, including with the animation and stuff like that. That's crazy. How would you describe this world to somebody if, if you're going to explain like this without getting into the game, but the story, the world, the characters themselves, like mm -hmm. how would you best describe that? I, I guess I would start with um, these guys are not heroes. These guys do it like me and you for the coins. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, and then of course, each uh, has their own personal story and some additional stuff. Um, next to it, uh, you can read it uh, on online. Every every character has a short story and so on. Um, but uh, actually, yeah, th those guys are just you know trying to uh, make use of the situation at hand, which is basically that there is this flow ever present uh, and is basically around this world, and something is basically affecting this flow and making it you know 
um, increase in, in some areas and so on. And uh, the monsters and so on, uh, or the regular animals would start to mutate slowly and so on. So monsters are not a new thing, but they just recently, you know, you, you've seen a spike of them. So something like that, uh, you, you could say uh, regular fantasy stuff. But then we go into some other other things, uh, which are which are a bit different uh, than you know regular stuff that you read in fantasy books. Can you see this eventually? This IP, like branching out into like short story books, or even into like like a TV show or a movie, or is that is that something that's ever been in the back of your mind as you were doing this, um, or? I mean, I try to be realistic. Like if I would uh, <laughs> say which game would, would start with that, right? I would say, okay, Gloomhaven first. Yeah. And then, <laughs> so, I mean, of course, like that would be nice, but uh, I, I never really uh, thought about it like that. I just want to create this world. And also when we were designing the game, because we made three uh, modes, competitive, co-op and solo, mm -hmm. we just said, um, because of my lean management, you know, uh, stuff and liking to optimizing stuff, I wanted to build uh, competitive in that, like optimizing your journey, making sure that when the game comes to an end, you're the one with the most coins. So mm -hmm. that's all about that. Like even the game starts with you auctioning for the character, for the starting location and so on with your victory points slash coins. And then, yeah. you know, it's everything about that. But the other two, the solo and co-op, they're actually more about uh, the that because we have that much lore, that much stuff to, to basically explore. But there is not time for it in the competitive mode. Like, we had events uh, in the development like five years ago, but they the downtime is a problem then because people are reading events and then you stop and start reading events uh, and it's already a big game, right? So as a designer, you need to think about those things. Then the second thing you need to think about is like one guy gets a good event, the other guy gets a bad event. Is that you know also good for gameplay? It's not. But in solo and co-op, th those things are different. Everyone is reading events together. Uh, if there is a bad event or whatever it's a challenge for both of them or mm. you know how many are playing um to basically uh, try to beat and then also mm, in terms of you know uh, just uh, story and so on they can immerse more because scenarios they are basically parts of our story parts of our world that we want to tell like uh, events happening and so on and um, actually the idea for mechanics were um, the initial idea i got it from age of steam where okay. you have this uh, uh, original, you know, uh, rule set. Yeah. But then each, you know, Age of Steam uh, map and so on will tweak the rules a bit and, and and offer. So a bit more than that, of course. But you basically have this core mechanics, and because it's uh, based on the Euro system, uh, you can uh, switch those mechanics and so on. So like uh, in the competitive mode, you would have these weather cards and so on, and then in the solo co-op, outcome the weather cards and income the event cards, which is still weather. But then you have events and so on in seasons, yeah. Um, and you, you can just uh, easily switch it in and out. And basically, you have this iconography, just matching iconography, and you set up a, with a scenario, and you go. You set to go. You just read the rules for this, that specific scenario. What is different? What is the prologue or whatever? And you go. And uh, I'm having as a designer like so much fun creating those scenarios. Yeah. So much fun because like the world is just open. Yeah, like I mean, you can take it wherever you want. When you when you look at the game now, uh, like mm -hmm. so, you know, solo, co-op, uh, and competitive. What start? What came first? So when you had mm -hmm. your initial design, I'm sure you had one of those, mm -hmm. and then you kind of then tweaked it to bring the others in. Did it start off as a competitive or as a co-op, yeah. or how did you start it? Everyone asks me that. Everyone <laughs> asks me that. But it's actually like I said at the beginning. We said like 
we want to do it like uh, for the optimization we sure. will do the competitive mode but because we have such, such a big world we are going to do solo and co-op if some of those will not work we will not try to force it uh, especially because nowadays it's more about you know oh let's do a solo because there's a lot of solo players yeah. let's do co-op because people like i hate kind of you know those yeah. type of things <laughs> if, if, if it doesn't work we would drop it yeah um, but but we loved it so much play tester loved it so much that we just you know like i said like i never was for example a solo player i would play some some games like you know for example terraforming mars i played one solo but it wasn't really uh, then legendary encounters actually was a good game to play solo um so i didn't play much of solo before beforehand and so on so i was like okay i'm going to design a solo like maybe i should call you know guys designing solo whatever yeah. <laughs> but, but no then actually um i fell in love with with the solo mode also so that was a, a weird stuff especially because i'm a you know i'm a gamer that has like you know hundreds of games yeah and like the, the funny thing is when you're such such a gamer it's hard to to basically say okay I will play, I don't know, Terraforming Mars today. I will play Terraforming Mars in like two weeks again. And uh, and this year I have played Terraforming Mars 10 times. No, I want to play different games. Yeah. And then I would would bring up like once in a year, I would bring up Twilight Imperium or whatever, this epic game. So when people ask me how many times uh, the silver coin hit the table, and I was like, well, in playtesting a lot, uh, in, in but when uh, I actually, you know, uh, get the game and so on, because of the type of the gamer I am, I would think like a couple of times uh, per year, not yeah. because I would not want to play it, but because just type of the gamer I am. Uh, but then yeah. you have different people who would just buy like 10 games and play just on those 10 games. So people are different. Yeah, you see that definitely in my game night that, uh, I mean, there's a meetup once a week. I try to go at mm -hmm. least every other week. And uh, th there's some people bring the exact the exact same game every week, right? Because they're used to that game and they love it and it's their favorite. Um and then there's others that that bring something new every week. And I try to join the table where it's something new. Mm -hmm. uh, I just had this again last night. Uh, we were playing, I can't remember the name of the train game. It was pretty cool. It was a... Uh, Ticket to Ride. <laughs> no, it wasn't Ticket to Ride. It was like an Irish kind of... Uh, uh -huh. Okay. Um, yeah, it, it was cool. And uh, The green and we, one, right? The green, the green one. Yeah, yeah. And then mm -hmm. uh, the, we played uh, Celestia, which I had just got. Yeah, I hadn't played it yet, but I wanted somebody to teach me. Um but, yeah, and it, it but it's just trying something new every time, right? And then we mm -hmm. played um, from those little tiny boxes. I can't remember the manufacturer. The same guys that do Deep Sea Adventures. They've mm -hmm. got a game called um, uh, Durian, and mm -hmm. and we played that as a group, and it was fun. But the I'm always looking at the mechanics, right? Trying to introduce myself to, to new stuff to say, okay, how could I potentially use that or twist that in another idea down the road? So I, I think for game developers that's probably what they should try to aim to do, right? Is play as many games as you possibly can because you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And, and it's uh, like one of the worst things or maybe the best thing that happens as you start designing games, like, you know, for real, when you start playing games, you start to see a whole bunch of other stuff instead of just, you know, enjoying the game. You're just like seeing, you know, that mechanic doesn't really work well. I would <laughs> tweak it, you know, you start house ruling stuff like in your head yeah. even if you're not like yeah. for example i'll give you an example game of thrones you know the board game yep. game of thrones um you ever played it or not i have not no okay so in board game uh, in game of thrones you have like these tokens that you would set up and uh, these tokens would have like actions that you can do so like if you want to attack if you want to move your army or whatever 
you would have these tokens and no one would know which order you basically put on the board. Uh, and then all of you would put it together simultaneously and then reveal, right? And then you have initiative order and so on. So, and then I was like, with these games, with these type of games, like especially with also Twilight Imperium and so on, there is always like, you know, diplomacy aspect of, you know, louder people, those people that are more quiet and so on, they yeah. always, you know, get destroyed in the end <laughs> just because they don't talk and make diplomacy and so on. So I said, like, as a designer, like I would, I would, I want to you know create equal options and so on. So what we end up doing and thematically connecting it is we just put uh, pieces of paper to each uh, you know player. Like if you're yeah. Lannister, you get uh, red paper. If you're if you're you know Stark, you get this uh, white paper, whatever. And before the round would start, you would have like a timer, a sand clock, one minute. Write whatever you want and send it a raven to one of the players, <laughs> you know, with your message. That's cool. And then one minute to, for response and even if you get like four <laughs> messages from four different players no you can only respond to one one minute and then you have like these uh, two messages coming through and like one is like oh can you be ally with me and the yeah. second one is like are you going to attack me or whatever and i go shit who i who, who do i you yeah. know <laughs> try to answer because if i don't answer that guy then he will think i do not want to be in alliance with him oh, that guy hilarious. will attack me yeah so and we started doing that it was like no way we are playing without that and so on and so on and same with diplomacy you know the the, the old mm -hmm. game diplomacy did you ever play diplomacy i haven't played diplomacy either no it's, it's a big game but simple rules yeah and and you basically as a designer you say okay the biggest problem with this game is it's too long like how can i fix that <laughs> so and so on so yeah so with uh with silver coin um mm -hmm. how would you describe to somebody the essence of this game and i first i just want to congratulate you i mean you guys are a couple days in uh, I'm going to put this in Canadian dollars. It's the only way I can see it, but you're at a hundred and mm -hmm. almost $16,000 Canadian on a $26,000 goal. Congrats. That is amazing at the beginning of your campaign. So clearly mm -hmm. this thing is going to fund very, very well. And for your first game, I'm sure this is a testimony to all the hard work and effort and blood, sweat and tears you put into this game over the past five years. So I want to congratulate you on that uh, out of the gate. The board looks beautiful. The world map, you can see I'm sharing the screen here for people that are watching live. The minis are incredible. But explain the the, the guts of the game. So can you explain mm -hmm. that a little bit to, to, to the audience? Yeah. So basically, you're a monster hunter, right? You're doing mm -hmm. it for the coins and so on. And uh, basically, the main engine that drives the game is uh, are these six kingdoms that you see on the map. Like there are six kingdoms and they're giving you missions. And missions are basically, it's like in the real, real world, right? Wherever there are jobs, there mm -hmm. are people going to get those jobs. And it's the same here. Like the map, we, uh, we wanted to create this bigger map instead of, you know, you have usually in this type of games, you have a smaller map just because of, yeah. you know, it's easier to manage and so on. But we wanted to create this epic uh, sense of traveling to actually, you know, go the distance and so on. So Is it a six panel, by the way? Is it six panels? Uh, six panels yes correct yeah, okay uh, unless you have a playmat <laughs> yeah. um and uh, basically um world has to the mechanics of the game has to force you to travel right and so you will have these contracts that will be uh, coming out in different kingdoms and that will for force you to travel you will have to learn knowledge of the different kingdoms so that will force you to travel you will have to learn magic on different ends of the world that will force you to travel so you, you have to create this kind of sense and it's an open world. So it's an open uh, adventure-like game, which basically it's all about you making sure uh, to get those contracts, to fulfill those contracts and to prepare. That's the probably the biggest difference uh, usually uh, people say. 
um, that you have to prepare for the monster fight. It's not that much about a fighting. Of course, it's about a fighting also, right? Yeah. But because the game is so huge, we actually had a deck building uh, mechanism at the start of development. We throw it out because, again, too much downtime. It was a really cool mechanic. You would have like this uh, type of people, like some would learn with listening, some would learn with you know doing stuff and so mm -hmm. on. And as you would interact with the world, you would be adding those cards to your deck and so on. So really cool. People loved it, but it just took too long. Just yeah. took too long. And as a designer, as a developer, you have to, you know, always pros, uh, pros cons and, and so on. And yeah, uh, it's more about preparation. Like each monster will have its strengths, weaknesses. You will have to prepare. Like you have the weather, you have the day and night cycles. You have uh, monsters which are stronger near forest, near water and so on. And you have this monster and you just look and see, huh, uh, in this season, this monster will get stronger and at night and so on and so on. Uh, and if I equip myself with this, this and this, I can get the strength of the monster down. And now, how do you manage that? Like you can try to save mm. on time, not prepare as much. And, you know, you go for it or you try to prepare more and then try to kill the monster. 99% uh, possibility that you will beat, beat it, but losing time in the process because you prepared so much. And actually, that's a really interesting catch up mechanic also, because what tends to happen, victory points are uh, in competitive mode, at least, are uh, hidden information. So what happens is basically you do not know exactly how much people have, especially because they're spending coins on, you know, boat trips and whatever. Um, and you're like, okay, this guy is probably doing better than me. So you start to risk it more. And that other guy starts to, you know, oh, shit, I probably should be more careful, you know, so I, you know, maintain the lead. Yeah. So and that's a catch-up mechanic in the end also. So. Yeah, the game is uh, about those type of things. And in scenarios, it's about puzzles. It's about how do I beat this scenario? Uh, and it's uh, it's a different kind of game, but still the same. So in terms of puzzles, because often when you hear like riddles or puzzles in a game, then the mm -hmm. thought automatically goes to, okay, well, once I've solved that, then, mm -hmm. you know, it's, 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 it's kind of not mm -hmm. replayable. But your puzzles are more based on how the different components are coming together. Is that is that fair to yeah. say? or? Yeah, it's it's like because you have so much variety where you will yeah. start, where the different kings will come to different uh, that will affect each kingdom, yeah. which monsters will be coming out and so on. You have I mean, you know, some events, maybe you have played the scenario and you know, it's not always 100 percent that these events will come out, but you know approximately what you can expect and you can adjust. But now you have to take into calculation all the new stuff. So, okay, shit. In this game, I don't have these this monsters uh, in that area. I have them in that. So I would have to travel there, but I will, I will lose time. And then I will not make it in time for that. So you need to readjust. And, and in that sense, it's really cool. Um, and each, each, each uh, scenario uh, will be replayable just based on that. And then you yeah. also, on top of that, have the easy, normal, and hard mode for each scenario, which, again, mechanically, you can do in different ways. For example, we have, for most of the scenarios, you have this timer. You know, mm -hmm. you have uh, event cards coming out. And as the timer runs out, that's one of the losing conditions. Well, just add cards into the deck and you have basically uh, an easier game. Remove cards from the deck and the timer is, you know, uh, going to run out faster. Yeah. And you, you create a harder game. So you need to optimize more if you want to do it. But that's just one of the way. You have other results, right, to how you can... But, you know, mechanically, how you can, as a designer, uh, try to influence those kind of things. Yeah, it, it looks awesome. Um, and I think I was reading somewhere that, um, like, you can't die either, right? Or there's some kind of 
in in solo and co-op you can that's one of the losing okay. conditions usually but in competitive no because dying is not fun yeah yeah <laughs> you go thing. and you have a coffee while everyone else is playing yeah, the game right correct correct right <laughs> correct that's uh, yeah. cool and then the auction at the beginning can you talk a little bit about that because i thought that was unique and i saw a couple of reviewers mm -hmm. found that really interesting and unique as well mm -hmm. okay first of all i can uh just openly uh, tell you about the inspiration for the auction system sure it was actually lorenzo il magnifico the game um so that game doesn't have that same system but kind of similar that you're kind of uh, you know uh, bidding for for starting stuff mm -hmm. and here basically you just combine it into um you know when you go into those pc games and you're creating your character you know i didn't um want to create exactly that but i want to uh, create that kind of feeling that you basically are uh, that you have the destiny in your hands on where you're going to start the game based on yeah. those locations that you have available which type of character not uh, not always the same one you will be playing and uh, what type of resources you will start the game with, but you have to put the coins which slash victory points on the line for that. So you're actually bidding for those and uh, you can be out a bit. And uh, if you win the bid and you put uh, your basically tokens higher, it will just mean that you will start the game with less coins and less coins is less victory points. And it's also a good mechanic to balance the characters because the characters are never perfectly balanced. You can do yeah. a lot of play tests, but there are two really cool things in design uh, with this. Uh, because we have this uh, system of, you know, uh, grabbing the contracts for the coins, and coins are also victory points, that actually gives you a really good um, development system for uh, measuring the strength of the character. I basically just say, okay, you have natural chaos who is teleporting all over the place. What are the final coins in your possession? One, 1,500. Okay. And the second game, 1,300. And so on and so on. So, you can tell me that this guy character is overpowered when in the end it's only measured by how many coins this guy was able to pick up right yeah and, and you can measure them but they in the end maybe will still not be perfectly balanced so the other way you give players an option to balance them by bidding on those guys so if you think that this guy is really overpowered try to bid for the for, for the guy the um the two different play so there's a regular uh game and then you've got kind of like the kickstarter like holy smokes package right can you explain what comes in like the uh yeah. the full monty yeah so the all-in pledge uh, that one yeah the all-in pledge yeah yeah so the all-in pledge uh, basically it has the base game and all unlocked social and stretch goals in in that some are kickstarter exclusive um mostly important because as a first-time creator this is like bread and butter it's like yeah. it's not like a company that has resources to do it anyway for us, it's very important to reward the people who actually do it. Yeah. The second uh, thing uh, that, that comes with this is the Trinity expansion, which includes the three additional scenarios. Um, and then you have the basically the neoprene playmats, stitched edges and stuff like that. Then you have the metal coins. Then you have ah, the dice trays. Yeah. Yes. And then on top of that, uh, we have added uh, a bit of a twist. Uh, we included two surprise gifts. One is called the Dawn and one is called the Moon. Uh, mm. And actually the moon, you will receive at the end of the campaign. We will see how much we were able to gather. The more we gather, the bigger the gift can be financially wise, right? Um, but the second one you will receive when you get the game. So it will be like a surprise for you when you get the game. And the reason I decided for that was like, because the entire you know concept of Kickstarter is about, you know, you trying to be a collector, you trying to go and snatch these, uh, this, um, you know, gifts, these surprises. 
Uh, stretch goals are all about surprises again. So I wanted to create that feeling you have when you're opening the Christmas gifts and so on, even if a little, you know, um, because I think that that's what the spirit of Kickstarter, uh, apart from, you know, trying to help us little guys, uh, you know, do, do projects <laughs> like this. Yeah. But that, that's the spirit about uh, the Kickstarter. And I think it, it's somewhat lost in some manipulations and stuff like that, uh, that, that are happening in the industry. But, you know, yeah, in, in short, that's it. That's awesome. So we're like, you've been obviously working on this for a long time, like five years is a long time. Is there something else that's coming after this? Like you've obviously started the company. Um, is there been other projects you're working on? And, and can you give us a little teaser at all as to what the next thing is that's coming yeah, from yeah. you guys? There are two things. So one thing is basically expanding this universe based on yeah. how successful this is, which is the most logical one. And the second one, like, you know, on the shelf waiting to, to happen and so on is actually another huge project. And that one is a space one. Um, and uh, yeah, that one is like, you know, on, on a standby. So we will yeah. see if we will go into that. Uh, I remember when I went to Essenspiel to exhibit the game and, you know, other publishers will come, we check the project and so on. They were like, oh, and he, uh, the, like three of them would say like, good luck. After you create this, the next game will be like Uno or something like that, just to make it simple, you know, <laughs> a little card game. Yeah. <laughs> because you you will be, you know, uh, your head will be full. You will have to deal with all of this. And then in the end, you will try to create something small oh, just yeah. to make it easy. Um, so, <laughs> but uh, I think that we will be developing this universe or try to, you know, spin off from, from this because we have so much in store. Oh, it makes a ton of sense. And you can see just looking at this game that there's so many ways that, you know, you can even tiny expansions, right? I'm sure you can even come with another deck pack, right? Which adds a, uh, more missions and so forth, more monsters and everything. So uh, it's one of those games where you can probably add on to without even having to recreate everything, right? So uh, it, it looks so awesome. And I want to congratulate you on that. You do have social goals in your campaign. Uh, can mm -hmm. you share with everybody what those, if they want to follow you uh, socially, how best they do that? Yeah, so basically one of the social goals is uh, go on BGG, like, subscribe. Uh, everyone's trying to get on the hotness list. It's, uh, you know, near impossible <laughs> for the little guys, but, you know, why, yeah. why don't we try it? And uh, the reward is actually a community-made scenario. And here we, we are talking about, you know, the, the essence of Kickstarter, of creating things together uh, with the community. Um, so that's one. And because the game is so modular, I think we can do that. So community gives idea about what the scenario can be. And then we try to work on that. And the second one is actually about, you know, I was mentioning that we are, we have in-house music and stuff like that. So uh, for 1000 followers on Facebook, uh, you get this music pack stuff uh, with silver coin thematic music for those who want to listen to that stuff uh, while they're playing and so on. That's cool. And then what's the, what's the social, what's your handle? Like, how do they find you? Yeah, so they can find us on YouTube. We actually have, you know, the podcasts like you, uh, but yep. uh, just internal for, you know, enjoyment and whatever to learn about the project and us. Uh, and also for creators who, who want to, you know, uh, get some uh, additional insight uh, and helping them with their project. Um, then they can find us on Instagram. They can find us on Facebook. They can find us on BGG. And what's they the name? Find... Was it at Bonafide Games or yes, uh, Bonafide yes, Games? Yes. All right, yes, so I'm going to spell that out. So B-O-N-A-F-I-D-E games mm -hmm. um we'll put a link in our show notes as well to the campaign anybody that wants to check out the campaign i encourage you to do so it looks super awesome i mean the video at the beginning is like a little mini movie it's a really cool watch um congrats on that as well and we'll put a link to your social handles in there as well so people can easily find it 
Lynn, oh man, I want to wish you all the best on this campaign. I can't wait to see where you guys uh, finish up. Uh, all the best on this, eh? I wish you all the best also. <laughs> you take care. Cheers. Cheers. Bye-bye. This has been an episode of the Board Game Binge Podcast, hosted by James Staley, produced by James Staley and Mike Bruner, with original music by Nick Smith. If you would like to watch these interviews live, simply subscribe to our YouTube channel, Board Game Binge, and you'll get access to live interviews, giveaways, and interesting board game content from across the industry. I can't wait for you to join us. See you next time. Oh,